Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe Podcast. Today we're talking about the movie The Force Awakens, and we're doing it with a live watch here on Twitch at Stranded Panda TV. So you're going to have feedback and questions from our audience as myself, Matthew Fox, along with Ashley Coffin and Paul Hoppy, talk about The Force Awakens. All that and more after a commercial break we have no control over. Welcome back. This said, my name is Matthew. I'm here with Ashley and Paul. Ashley, how are we doing today? Really good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad you got to join us for the rewatch we just had. That was a lot of fun. Paul, I know you stopped in for the second half. How how are you doing today? You know, it's been a full weekend. Um, <laughs> this is definitely the most pleasant thing I've done all weekend. So, <laughs> so I guess I'm happy. I don't know. Yeah, great to have you with us, Paul and Ashley. And let's just jump right into it. Uh, Overall thoughts, Force Awakens. Where, where does this movie rank for you in terms of Star Wars movies? Paul, you go right ahead. <sighs> um, I need to think. After the original trilogy and Rogue One, mm-hmm. it might be the one I dislike the least. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm in kind of a like hating everything mood right now, so I'm sure that'll be delightful for everybody okay. else. But that'll be fun. That'll be fun. There are things that I really, really enjoy maybe love about this movie Mm -hmm. um there's some things not as much but definitely it's the best of the sequels and uh yeah i think i like it better than the prequels yeah that's fair so what about about for you actually where where does this movie sit for you i i kind of agree with that it's hard it's definitely after four five and six and rogue one i have to agree with that and I like it better than The Phantom Menace, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and probably Clone Wars. So probably, but I, you know, as much as it has faults, I like the storyline of Revenge of the Sith. That's fair. So probably right after that. I can see that. It also has like the best lightsaber battles. At the hell, oh, yeah. Some, I mean, some yeah. Ones, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah I have to, Which I have questions about. I have questions about. We, we'll definitely get a chance to dive back into some of those <laughs> movies. Um. For me, Force Awakens has always been such a hard movie to judge because I felt like it it played such an important part for me as a Star Wars fan in terms of it being kind of that palate cleanser after the prequels. Um, and I'm curious, as Paul and I saw The Force Awakens together, so I kind of have some idea of what his thoughts on it were, but I'm, I'm, I want to hear them again. But especially for you, Ash, I'm curious, what was your reaction the first time you saw this? Because for me... I went in. I, I was not in a great place in my life, which is an important part. But, but even more so, I remember when I first heard about this movie, and I had such a sense of like, you know, it's like that Hawkeye moment of "Don't give me hope." You know, I had yeah. been had my heart broken so badly by the prequels, and just had sort of just kind of given up on Star Wars for a long time. And then I saw these previews coming out, pre- the previews for this coming out. I was trying not to get excited. I was getting excited. And I, I remember going into that theater the first time, like, you know, that very, like, I'm stepping carefully. I don't want the ground to fall apart under me. Uh, <laughs> and and feeling like mostly just this huge sense of relief that it didn't suck. Uh, what, what, what about you? What was your kind of take on the first time you saw this movie? Well, I was really enjoying the hype, like, leading up to it. It was like, we have another Star Wars movie all everywhere. Everything was Star Wars. It was jammed down your throat. It was Christmas. Um, That John Williams soundtrack's just, like, luring you in. 
Yeah. And I remember we were at um, my office Christmas party and we were there for an hour and we're like, let's get the hell out of here and go see Star Wars. It was like two days after it came out. So we did. And it was really good decision because we had a lot of fun. Yeah. It was fun. Um, I remember. I don't know. I feel like I had mixed feelings because I don't know. It was good. But I don't know if it was what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll get into that more details later. Yeah. Paul, what about for yourself? Uh, I definitely enjoyed it the first time I saw it. I also was annoyed by some of the aspects I'm still annoyed by, like the <laughs> basically just undermining everything from the original trilogy in terms of like, you know, oh, there's the new Republic. Ah, forget the new Republic. Forget the Empire's gone. Let's yeah, just, what like, happened? I thought it was a an excellent retelling of A New Hope. Yeah. Basically. And um, at that point in time, like, I was happy to see that. Um, there was maybe some stuff going on in the world and in, you know, personal <laughs> events that were more concerning than how much I liked or didn't like a particular Star Wars movie. Um, I loved the new characters. You know, I really enjoyed seeing Finn and Rey both, you know, wield a lightsaber. Um, you know, that... As the the trilogy goes on, there's there's plenty to say about that. But just in terms of the like, you know, their discovery of the Force, um, yeah. I thought in terms of their stories right there, I I really enjoyed that. Um, and it was like it felt like it was that kind of fun Star Wars movie, like the original uh, trilogy, particularly the very first, you know, Episode Four, A New Hope, and uh, it, and I mean, I think that's they were basically like, hey. Can you make a, a new new hope? And it's like, yeah, okay. And then they did, and it was it was a very good um, version of that. I think. Well, I think that's well put, especially in terms of. I think the first time I saw it, I, it didn't bother me how much it was a force a, a a new hope retelling, because it did really seem like this was more than anything. Um, this was Disney's first entry into Star Wars. This seemed like it was their way of saying, like, okay, guys, trust us. Right. Don't worry about it. We're not going to do – we're not going to have Jar Jar Binks. We're not going to have midichlorians. We get Star Wars. We get how Star Wars should be. And looking back on it now, it does feel very safe. It does feel like they did exact. you know – I'm wondering, do you think it needed to be that? Could they have made it more of its own thing and and had it be as popular? <laughs> we're both like uh. Uh, because it's it's like mando kind of did that now but were we ready back then for that i kind of felt uh, n- not cheated but the fact that all three of the new ones just seemed like parodies of the original three felt like yeah we have these great new characters in this story but we're still going to do the same shit that we always do yeah which is a little fan servicey but people really like that so it's kind of hard i'm just glad i wasn't at the board meeting deciding what to do <laughs> Yeah, I I think there's there's kind of a, a a it's a hard line, you know, to decide where you want to be on because like did it have to be as popular as it was? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. did they need to make one movie that made a billion or whatever dollars or could they have made, you know, a bunch of I mean, they're still making a ton of movies, right? And they're making a ton of shows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're basically trying to right. take over uh, visual entertainment to the best of their ability. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's like the idea of, like, you know, how many people does a thing have to appeal to? Like, should you be specifically trying to recapture 
the audience of, you know, the people who loved the original trilogy? Should you be catering as much or more to maybe the people who love the, the prequel trilogy or even particularly to a new generation? I don't know. I think those are all just choices. They yeah. clearly made a choice that was to try to bring, um, you know, kind of bring bring people back in, maybe who'd, who'd lost a little bit of um, kind of confidence in in the franchise you know in the in the mm-hmm. universe and um you know i th- i think it worked i think what they did worked and i i think uh, the last jedi was much riskier i don't think they were wrong to be risky i, right. I don't like the direction yeah. they went right but i right. think it's you know th- i don't know how much money did they pay to acquire lucasfilm and then did they have to have some particular return on that I don't know. Yeah. That's, you know, those are questions for accountants, basically, right? <laughs> and it's like, personally, I would love if those kind of questions weren't in, um, right. you know, our entertainment, like in terms of what we get to see. But, you know, and they did make some bold choices, right? In terms of having the leads be, you know, a white woman, a black man, and a, you know, Latino, um, or I don't know. I don't know the words anymore yeah. but <laughs> you're right but you know, I know you yeah like not just having the story just be like a bunch of white dudes but like right. yeah and you know and some people didn't like that um i think that's great i loved that mm-hmm. but like so they took some risks but mm-hmm. in doing that they also were just like we're gonna tell you this very familiar story a little differently we're gonna have the original characters there to some extent but they're not really going to be the pivotal the pivotal characters and you know they seem to be successful with it like they definitely made a lot of money and you know people are still seeing star wars stuff so right yeah i guess mission accomplished do you think <laughs> as if somebody never saw star wars and they went and saw that that they would know what was going on because i don't think i've met somebody who question. didn't see it or know and would know like what was going on that's an interesting one because I, I definitely hear from people who talk about how the original trilogy are their their movies. Mm-hmm. And then I hear about people who like for the first movies they saw were the prequels. Right. And it seems like there's a real conflict there. You know, I've not heard from that many people for whom these movies were the first ones. And granted, it's because, I mean, maybe especially if you're younger, like those folks are still going to be – because this movie five only came out – what? or something. Yeah, five years Yeah, this ago. movie came out five, six years ago. Yeah. But I am, especially for younger fans, if this was your first introduction, I'd be very curious – I, I do think it's interesting, though, that, for example, this movie doesn't have anything that is of the, like, aimed for kids, the way Attack of the, right. you know, the way the, the, the prequels yeah. do. It's yeah. not an adult movie by any means. I think it's very much a kid-friendly movie. Yeah, well, like so, BB-8 you know, a little bit. I, I was going to say the whole BB-8 right? of it all. Right. But. BB-8's pretty darn cute. <laughs> but I, I think we're also at a point where, like, you know, the, no the, Hello, the Hello Kitty horizon has been passed. Cuteness is no longer for kids anymore. Right. Right? Sure, <laughs> sure. Also, I would say, like, the original trilogy didn't have, like, it was it was mostly the prequels, right? That kind of, I, I think, so, yeah. Kitty. extra, yeah. Right. You know, at kids. And I think there's, there's different theories there about... Um, uh, where things fall in terms of kids' ed- entertainment and stuff like that over different generations and things like that. So right. let's talk then about – so what were some of the things folks really liked about this movie? Uh, Paul, you talked about some of the, the new characters. Ashley, for yourself, what, what are some of the things you really liked in this movie? Um, Aside from the Adam Driver of it all, uh, <laughs> that was a great, like, good casting. Mm-hmm. And not just because I think he's the most handsome mountain to walk this earth, but it's because – I really liked what they did with him as a kind of like 
the villain, but they had him go a step farther and really not be able to come back from what he did in the first movie. And you're like, well, we got two more movies to go. He just killed, you know, his dad. You're supposed to really hate him, but I don't. And it's not just because of his hair. Um, <laughs> it, I like the villains. I loved seeing a female Jedi. Mm-hmm. She's just starting out, but you don't get to see a lot of those. Yeah. Yeah, I I love Kylo Ren as a villain. At first, I really didn't until I really kind of started to understand the role he's playing because the fact that he isn't, he doesn't have the commanding presence of Vader. He's not as intimidating until I realized that that's kind of the point. He's a Vader fanboy, you know, and that in some ways, like this whole idea of the First Order as trying, I mean, in some ways, it's very sort of fitting for the moment that we're in today of, you know, that it's not about, like, Unfortunately. The, the great, yeah, it's not about the great evil, it's about, like, the college kids trying to be the great evil. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there's something about his incredible insecurity in this movie, and just how much he is not, he's very much that person who is projecting, and who's saying, like, you know, I am the best in the world, because he's trying to convince himself more than anything. Um, that I... It makes him both relatable and hateable and just, <laughs> you know, in a way that Vader is just always, like, Vader was a great villain in a totally different way. I feel like Kylo Ren is maybe one of the few truly original parts of this movie because there really is no yeah. part, there is no villain in the original movies that's comparable to Kylo Ren. Right. And he acts so much like Anakin, especially mm. like Revenge of the Sith Anakin with his, like, freak mm. outs and, you know. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, in the original trilogy, like, the the villains are all, they're, like, the villains are all men, you know? They're right. these, like, adults who are evil because they want to control everything and, like, but actually, but have this, like, presence and authority and power. And they're they're Nazis, right? They're, like, that's the idea. Although I think it was supposed to be, like, as much of, like, a allegory to like rome right but yeah in some ways but you know they're sure looked like nazis they're these like original fascists and the i think it's very clever i think it was a really good idea to make the villains in um in you know the force awakens and the the sequel trilogy to be these like younger you know neo-nazis basically who are trying to bring this great evil back into the the galaxy because you know they think it's order and they think it's the way things are supposed to be but like that's that's a very different thing it's also horrible but like you know and then they end up doing a bunch of horrible things and becoming you know more you know the adults of evil or whatever but like they start off being this very like trying to bring back the past you know and they're they're not because a a lot of the older you know uh villains got killed off like let's face it Mm -hmm. so you know so (laughs) like um and i mean star i've got a whole rant about star wars and old people but like (laughs) (laughs) but it's it's uh maybe even for that reason it's like nice to see them actually have you know some younger villains which you know actually totally like right i mean that's what anakin is or becomes which is one of the weird things about the prequel trilogy and the original trilogy is like Vader's only like forty one or something in Return of the Jedi, which is like, wait, what? Yeah, agent the agent. <laughs> oh. Jeff- well, he was yeah, yeah, a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah we'll let that go. But Jeff like- Randall and I have done a whole rant on that on earlier episodes about how yeah. among other things, like Obi Obi Wan in that in A New Hope is I think oh, like yeah. in his late forties. Like it's yeah, not, yeah, 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 yeah. The numbers but don't Alec add Guinness up. But- was like fifty eight or sixty yeah. something or whatever. Yeah, um, but you know the point being that like. 
Anakin is this, he, I mean, in the Clone Wars, I think he's a great character. In the movies, a little, a little, uh, one note, but, uh, but, you know, it is that, like, oh, why won't they make me a Jedi Master? Like, you know, I, I want to do this, I want to do that, and, um, and Kylo Ren definitely is, you know, in the spirit of his grandfather. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Yeah. And it's interesting to you because one of the things that I think I like most about this movie, even though it's a topic I wish they had explained a lot more, gone into a lot more, but it it goes into this idea of and, and Last Jedi, which I, I know I like a lot more than than Paul does, but that's another story, goes into this as well. But it's the way that like the actual events that we've seen thirty or forty years later thirty years later in this case become mythologized. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk more about that in a bit, about how there's all this stuff on the the sort of hero side about how, oh, you know, Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and like, did it really happen? I thought they were just myth. Paul, one thing you're helping me understand is that this movie actually does it from both sides because mm. it's the exact same thing with Kylo. Yeah. Like Kylo Ren, he never met Darth Vader. He never right. met Emperor Palpatine. He's whole. And I, you have to wonder, like, what did he learn? You know, he right. learned about the the mythology mm-hmm. of the Empire and, and yeah. all these people. And he has all these thoughts about like grandfather, you know, um. Mm. What what we're supposed to do, um, and also like he was told one thing by one pe- by one group of people, and then someone else obviously told him something else, right? Right, yeah. like you get p- pieces of information. And... and so, do we think that Vader's like Force Ghost talking to him, or does he just always talk to that helmet, hoping one day it will respond? <laughs> I feel like, well, like the Force Ghost is Anakin, right? So, right, I feel like he would be saying very different things than what Kylo Ren seems to have been hearing. Um, yeah. So it's all fake. Oh, yeah. Wait. Oh, wait, wait. Spoilers for Rise of Skywalker. Sorry, it's I was all, sorry. Right? Wait. I mean, I do think it's certainly possible that um, it's a genuine thought. I hadn't thought of this before. I think it's certainly possible that uh, Snoke is um, that Snoke has been playing with that. That Snoke has been yeah, yeah. doing something to make Anakin make make Anakin make Kylo think that. Uh, uh, that Anakin is talking to him. But yeah, we don't get any indication of that, I think, anywhere in the show, unfortunately, anywhere in the movie. That right, is, right. I think, one, one of my great fr- frustrations, I think, is that um, I mean, Snoke... Wh- what did you think of Snoke coming out of this? Because we don't like really get much more of him. Big CGI bad guy. Yeah, I... I didn't do it for me. I, I didn't get to actually rewatch the whole uh, movie today because a bunch of stuff happened, but... um. I, I specifically didn't see any of the Snoke stuff, but I remember just like, like, what does he even do in the movie? He just like gives some orders, right? And he looks old and bad. Like, Yeah. I do that's... appreciate that even at like Kylo, who's just like, I know everything. I'm the best this and that knows yeah. he doesn't know anything, right. everything. And he goes to him. He's like, I don't know what to do about this girl. Yeah. Uh, Snoke gets mad, but he's like, listen, I do need you to help me, though. You can be mad, but I don't know what to do. Yeah, right. it's like, I don't know what to do about this girl. Can you give me some advice? Like- yeah, buy her flowers. <laughs> Paul, you alluded to this at the beginning. I think as much as I, I like a lot of things about this movie, I think one of my best biggest frustrations is that there's so little world building. Like, there's mm. so little done to establish what has changed. How did we get here? And the Kylo Ren of it all, obviously, is something that gets talked about in the next episode, in the next movie, Last Jedi. We can talk about how we feel about that when we get to that movie. But, like, I went into this in part really excited to learn more about the New Republic. Um, (laughs) Oh, was that a thing? (laughs) Oops. Um, 
I don't know if anyone else, uh, either of you did this, but one of my, um, some of the first novels that came out about Star Wars after the move, after Return of the Jedi, were the Retur- uh, the Heir to the Empire books mm-hmm. by a guy named Timothy Zahn. Great books. Uh, they gave us Admiral Thrawn, who is now canon. They're not officially canon. But they did this really interesting thing of talking about how, you know, Luke and Leia and Han and all the rest are trying to govern in the days after the Empire has fallen and that it's so difficult and that there's still corruption and that, it, you know, it's that sort of idea of like what happens after the bad guys fall and you realize ruling is not very, you know, winning is easy, son. Ruling is harder. Right. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think I totally misquoted it. But anyway, the, the, point, <laughs> the point being that. That's what I was really looking forward to that. I was looking forward to what is all this corruption that's making the first the first order come back? What is it that is causing, you know, the the breakdown of the republic? I I'm guessing I'm not the only one who is incredibly frustrated when we found nope, we're going to have very little of that and whatever there is of the republic, we're basically going to see a bunch of people on a balcony get blown up and then <laughs> we're back to just the first order is in control and our heroes are ragtag ragtag rebels fighting for justice. Yeah, I'd say that's what I liked least that's about, always the case. <laughs> or disliked most about The Force Awakens, uh-huh. is like, it's just like, nah, the original trilogy, eh, whatever happened after it, it's like, okay, we're just going to tell our story, and we're going to blow everything up, like, literally just blow up the New Republic, <laughs> you know? So true. And, not to mention that, I mean, this relates to the original Star Wars as well. Like, blowing up planets probably isn't a great strategy for taking over an empire. Because planets have resources and people and things you can exploit. But whatever. You know, the, the point being, like, it, the, the more important point, just like, in story terms, we never get to see, like, what happens after. We don't see the right. world as it is after the original trilogy, right? Like, The New Republic, I think, is a very interesting story. And, um, you know, Rangers of the New Republic, uh, assuming, you know, they they um, do well in terms of casting, uh, I think will <laughs> hopefully be interesting in terms of exploring that. And, you know, a lot of the Disney Plus shows are, are doing that. But, like, this trilogy very much was just like, yeah, like, we're going to brush that very interesting thing aside and just try to have a story that's very much like the original story. And like, if they just did a reboot with different characters, I would have loved that. Like I would have enjoyed that much more than being like, no, this is going to just be like time repeating, you know, (laughs) like uh, Dormammu, I've come to bargain. Like I'm going (laughs) to blow up all your planets. Like it, it, you know, aside from like stepping on whatever the original stuff is, it just avoids so much interesting new, um, so, so many more new conflicts that we could have had or, yeah. you know, different questions that you can be looking at. And it, instead it's like, okay, it's, it's the resistance instead of the rebels, but like calling them the resistance, like, I don't know. I'm kind of just even confused by what's going on in terms of like, does the new republic have an army like it was very confusing for me too for a long time i think maybe into rise of skywalker i wasn't sure yeah i didn't realize that the resistance wasn't whatever and that this new order wasn't that and that these people were supposed to be the good guys but really weren't because they just gave up i don't know it was it was confusing yeah and it's i get that politics is not the thing that a lot of people sign up for i i think one of the things that's interesting is there is one Star Wars property, as far as I can tell, 
that has decided to really dive into the political and in many cases economic machinations, you know, the kind of stuff that is much more like boardroom things and not what all Star Wars fans do. And it's in a Clone Wars TV show, which is the thing most <laughs> aggressively marketed for children. Right, 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 right. Um, so which is one of the biggest like mismatches of things out there. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I think there's a good point. And I think it's it, it was, I think, one of my biggest frustrations was seeing that like we're just we weren't going to get that story. And I think actually this is part of why, at the beginning especially, I liked Mandalorian so much. And obviously there's so much else that Mandalorian has gotten us into. But one of the stories that that Mandalorian is telling us is the Repub- is is about the chaos under the New Republic, and that you know why would someone turn back towards the First Order? I mean, I think that's been you know obviously I'm the superhero ethics guy as well. I'm always interested in the way these stories are also the stories of you know real life and things like that. I think it it's it's one of the the things that I think people have really been asking themselves over the last twenty years or so is. Why is it that after we seem to win victories for freedom or justice, do people, some people want to go back towards, you know, fascism or back towards uh, strong leadership or anything like that? And I, I have to kind of headcanon it, but in my head, there's a sort of like the first order is making the trains run on time kind of idea, you know, that like, I was just going to say that yeah, Mussolini made the trains come on time, (laughs) right? And like global, like anarchy sucks to some people, like, you know, if it's not well done you know like the idea of just like mm-hmm. the strong survive thomas hobbs all that you know um there's an understandable idea of like if someone is in control and can like make government function can make society function that's appealing like there's something very scary about that but yeah i would have loved to see that story but of course we don't get any of that here yeah, yeah. it's like the first order might have <laughs> some legitimate critiques of the new republic right none of that is present in the stories right Basically. Hux Hux says something mm-hmm. along those lines about how they have tolerated disorder, but he's screaming it all yeah, at the top yeah. of his lo- like. Get yeah, that, yeah, get that, yeah. get that man a lozenge. Like that's yeah. like, every time Hux gives that speech. I'm trained in public speaking, and like you cannot give an entire speech at that cadence. It doesn't work. <laughs> I was really impressed with his projection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's amazing what post production will do for you, though. You yeah, know? also true. Also true. <laughs> Um, so let's talk about some of the new characters. So, like Ray, what what what's our take on Ray? She's great. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel like it's a good character, but um, it's just—I don't know. They don't give you in the first one, at least. Like she's just so robotic. She's not that. It's not that. I don't know. I don't want to go down this wrong. Like, what's wrong I with feel robots, like, Ashley? Yeah. No. <laughs> I'll ask Wanda. Um, I don't know. She just, I feel like it was her first movie and you could really tell. Hmm. Oh, like as an actress? Yeah. Okay. Like the performance, I just didn't, I wasn't like pulled yeah. in by her. But by the second one, I feel like I started to warm up to her a little bit. Okay. I, I got stoic from her, which like, yeah. I like, I'm a fan of that. I I think it's often perceived differently in women than it is in men, but, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. you know, um, they don't necessarily give her a ton of um, range in some ways, just in terms of like what she's doing. Like in the beginning, you know, she's a scavenger and like, mm-hmm. you know, she's basically just surviving. And then, you know, then she's learning some force stuff at the end. Like I'm pretty convinced that she's, you know, got some dark side juju 
going, yeah. you know. That was that's good. And By I, the end of the movie, it starts to, yeah. She just, a lot of her scenes were just her, like, staring and shaking. I'm like, somebody please give this girl a little bit of dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, we have our Star Wars trivia coming up uh, in a, next week, next Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern here on Twitch. Definitely sign in back for that. Um, and I kept, you know, I was watching the movie to watch the movie for this podcast, but every now and then I'd, I'd write down random things for her, uh, for the trivia. And so when her character appeared, I was like, oh, cool. One fun question might be like, you know, what's the first thing Ray says? Um, don't worry. I'm not asking that question now because she actually has two minutes of silence. Like she's two minutes of just interacting with her world or so. Mm-hmm. And then she starts speaking in an alien dialogue. And I'm like, I'm right, not going to yeah, yeah. have us transcribe that. But yeah. it, it, I actually really like her acting performance. And I think what you said about stoic fits well. I, she seems very understated, which again feels like she she is British. She is British, also true. <laughs> and I think I think in that here, I think is one more like nice. You know, if this is going to be a riff on the Force on a New Hope, it's a nice way of playing with it. She's obviously kind of the Luke Skywalker character, but where he is naive and energetic and excitement. She just seems like, you know, old beyond her years. She's world-weary. She's, like, cynical about things. I'm not even as much cynical as just kind of, like, it it doesn't seem like, I mean, she doesn't have a hope. She's not dreaming of going to Tashi Station or dreaming of, she's dreaming of her parents coming back. Yes. But Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like she's sort of that, like, always looking to the, what is it Yoda says about Luke? That he's always looking to the the horizon, never horizon, his eyes on, yeah, yeah. never his eyes on where he is. Like I think Yoda yeah. would like Ray quite a lot right. more. Right, she's <laughs> kind of the opposite. She's like, I'm here. My parents are coming back here, so I'm not going anywhere else because right. they're going to come back. In which, you know, I think seems very naive, but in, oh, a, in yeah, a different fair. way. You know, <laughs> not, not in a not in a stargazing. I want to go to there. Like I want someone from there to come to here. Right. You know. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I enjoyed the character a lot. Um, I like my heroes kind of stoic most of the time, you know? <laughs> um, and I think, you know, the movie suffers some from sequelitis in that there's like, one of the things I really enjoy in the original trilogy is that, you know, the force powers are very gradually discovered. Mm-hmm. over time and luke has it takes him a long time to really learn things here you know i've seen a lot of complaints about ray kind of getting like op super fast um kylo also is like super powerful compared to like vader but it's like does that really make any sense like is there any reason that there should be this progress in terms of powers getting so much stronger like i don't think so not logically in worlds um, and I think, you know, the explanation for that is obviously just like, you know, you just want like bigger explosions and fancier powers and stuff. Yeah. And that's, that's the way franchises tend to go, you know, and, and that's, I think one of the, one of the downsides mm-hmm. of sequels a lot of the time. Um, there was a great TikTok I saw earlier today <clears throat> or maybe yesterday, um, where it was talking about how, uh, a lot of people will claim, like you said, that Ray seems like super OP, um, and I, I think the way she gains her force power seems pretty equivalent to Luke in some ways. But one of the things they were talking about is that how is it that Ray is such a good pilot of the Millennium Falcon? Mm, mm-hmm. And the response mm-hmm. was the di- the only difference is what they can now do cinematographically, cinema- cinematographically, what they right. can now do in terms of movie making. Yeah. To make the Falcon move in ways you couldn't <laughs> do on film in 1978. Right. Like, right it's not yeah. that Han Solo couldn't do what Ray did. 
It's that yeah. the filmmakers in 1978, 1977 couldn't. Um, right. Well, I, I think the question, though, is more like, since she's a child, she's been stranded on this planet. And, like, when has she actually even gotten to fly a ship? Yeah. Right. Um, and which, then I have questions, yeah. too, about the lightsabers. And, like, this is where I was talking to Matthew about, like, Ken has big gripes with that last lightsaber mm. scene. Because are you supposed to train with the lightsaber? You don't immediately become really good, right? Or is that just something they did for this movie? I mean, in theory, yes. But, like, Luke has... <clears throat> You know, Luke has as much training as he gets from Obi-Wan, you know, on half a half a starship journey and then a little bit from Yoda. I, I think mm-hmm. the, the degree of training you are just are in terms not... of time to practice. basically, Right. Right. Because Finn also kind of gives Kylo Ren a little bit of a run for his money there. And we're just like, what is going on here? Right. Well, yeah, I, I respond yeah. to Paul, if you want to jump in first. Yeah. So so. I think there's a fair extent to which the powers are what are required by the plot. Yeah. You know, okay. in a lot of, in a lot of points. And I mean, that's, that's not something. I didn't know if there was some lore behind it or something. I just didn't know. Specific to this. No. And if we look at her parentage and the way, you know, force seems to be hereditary, there's maybe some explanation later on mm-hmm. for like why, <laughs> you know, she's able to. Um, engage with the force that quickly. Also, Kylo was wounded, right? right? So the, he probably wasn't at full strength. That's the point but I was going to make. Finn wounded him, right? Or Finn? He was from... bleeding and he kept slapping himself in the stomach. I, yeah, Finn... I fast forwarded through that part. He, I thought that was just he got a. Shot. I'm going to do it. No, yeah, I think that's. I think that's. Um, and here again, this is something I was reading about. Um, because he does get shot at some point during like the fighting beforehand, yeah. and I think he's hitting himself in a like you know like stay awake, you know, don't go into the pain oh, kind right, of a way. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that's supposed to be the idea. And I'm watching him fighting. He's fighting wildly. Like, he does all these, like, crazy swings. And so I think it's supposed to be, like, you know, Kylo Ren on a good day could kick the ass of Finn and Rey combined at that point in time. Because they don't have much training. Yeah. But that Rey does have an awful lot of natural force ability um, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Um, Finn has some. Finn has some, which because he is a force user, even though yeah. the cowards didn't quite tell us that. Um, but but then also, I think yeah, I think it's that um, Kylo is both very well. There's three things I think there. One is that he's wounded. Two is that he's very much not in his right head in terms of that he's yeah. he's super emotional. He has yeah, just killed focused. his father. He thinks he's failed. All this stuff. But also, he's not fighting to kill Ray. He's fighting to recruit her. And that's, so I, oh. I think that's another part of it is he like yeah. probably wants her to like feel like she has some ability and he doesn't want to kill her. He wants to like subdue her, which is hard to do. Um, so it would be really easy to do that. Well, it's a different kind of to do. Uh, but like, <laughs> um, we're not after dark yet. Um, Sorry. But yeah. You so always I, say this. <laughs> <laughs> it's never after dark anywhere. It's always after dark somewhere. Um, <laughs> so. CJ Hunt said they made a point to show how powerful Chewie's bowcaster was all the movie. Uh, it seems like it was a late addition to show Ray and Fig could beat him. Uh, I forgot that's what shot him. Mm. That's right. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, he gets shot. Right. Was the bowcaster. He took one to the chest from Chewie. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's definitely yeah, true. Yeah, so, you know, he's not at, at full strength. I think I think it's reasonable that that fight has kind of that dynamic. It's just that's like... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, honestly, I love that moment, like the whole like lightsaber coming to her, and yeah. not him. Oh know? yeah, um, yeah. It it's just it's very unfortunate. I think that what winds up getting set up is this moment of 
will Ray be a uh, will Ray be a Jedi or will Finn be a Jedi? Right, right. Because because mm-hmm. there level, can only be one. Yeah, Highlander. Like, and I'm right, so, oh, and here's like here's the kind of thing where it's like you don't but why you don't want this exactly. kind of thinking to be part of movie making, but unfortunately, it still right now is like. Yet having our first woman be yeah having our first woman Jedi is an amazing thing. Having it be like no, it's not the black Jedi, it's the woman Jedi. Like that, right, just, right, right. Give us both, or like do something else. But yeah. like, yeah. I and great. This more comes in the later movies, but even already the the complaints about like Finn being like, oh, it, I, he's such a fascinating character from the way they start yeah. him out. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And their dynamic is fascinating, and um. Oh, there was one more thing I just wanted to say about Rey was that she treats droids like people, like right out of the gate. Oh, yeah, that's true. And that, mm-hmm. that's something that Luke does in A New Hope and I think differentiates them from some other people um, and kind oh, of a good point. Is, is a little bit of a sort of saving the cat, too. She saves BB-8 from the scavengers who just want to take him apart right. and sell mm-hmm. for pieces. Um but, but yeah, the, you know, I, I'm not one to be like, oh, I just, I want more romances in my stories. Like, that's not really me. But, like, there's definitely some vibes in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think they knew what they were going to do with the story. They, I, yeah. And I think they, well, clearly it's J.J. Abrams. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, always felt really strongly, like, seeing her, I don't want to say it, but how did people ship them as Raylo? Like, you also see that, too. Oh, I mean, oh. I, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Kylo Ray. I don't know. But, I like that so much yeah, better. It sounds. Cool. I know yeah. you don't yeah. like those. Right. I, I feel like Raylo Ren. I, I feel Raylo. like that what they set up was this. Like, to me, what they set up was that Ray was going to be basically tempted in two directions. One is that she's attracted to Finn, and one is that she's attracted to there's there's a thing with her and Kylo, and like mm-hmm. I love yes, yeah, so also that part. I love the romance. I I do love romance. I don't love there being like, you know, that her journey between the dark side and the, the light side is a love triangle, which I'm glad they at least didn't go in that direction. Yeah. But yeah, there is clearly a lot of flirtation, it seemed like, between Finn and Ray. I mean, also yeah. between Finn and Poe. Like, I. Every I, time they speak, their faces are like two inches <laughs> apart, two inches right? Away. Like, like <laughs> boys, just kiss and get it over with. Like, I'm definitely someone who every now and then will say, like, I, queer baiting is a very real thing, it's a very real problem. I do think that male-male friendship that isn't eroticized is yeah. also super important. Absolutely. And, like, mm-hmm. we shouldn't just say that any two men express – anytime two men express emotion for each other, they must be in love with each other because, like, that's kind of homophobic. Yeah. But No, look at Tony or, like, Cap and Bucky. Oh, yeah. No I was, one eroticizes I was going to say Dr. Strange don't, no. and I know. Uh, Watson. Uh. Right. But, but my point is, but two men who absolutely are flirting like crazy – Finn and Ray. Uh, Finn and Poe. I mean, also Finn and Ray. But maybe it's Finn flirts with everyone. But anyway, that's another story. John Boyega is a very attractive man. I mean, it's not even not even like flirting necessarily, but just it's like there's 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 clear undertones, right? There's something. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and then they just yeah. I guess we're we're talking about this movie. Yeah. But we are talking about in in the novelization of the Force Awakens. There was apparently a scene um, with with Poe and with sorry with um with Ray and Finn like a romantic like an overtly romantic scene right and oh. then and then Disney had them take that out of the book oh so apparently that was going to be in there and then they were like oh we're actually going to go this way of course well, so. which it's and that was written by the author that they um 
had it been paying. So that's <laughs> it, it another is, thing. And this is, again is a more general comment, but I, I would say that like, you know, they establish in the prequels that Jedi are supposed to basically be celibate and that their attachments get them into trouble and the, the secret romance of Anakin and Padme and all that. It's fascinating to me that they've never really like dealt with that since, you know, I mean, they, that right. they, it would have been interesting here to say like, <clears throat> Ray is a different kind of force user. What if she could have romantic attachments to people? She does kind of with Kylo by the end. Sorry, spoilers. Um, and um, uh, I'm going to, there's a later Star Wars property in which there's a Force user who has a romantic relationship and it's never presented as a problem for them. Right. Uh, they don't want to spoil. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. anyway, <laughs> we're getting off and, there. And, I mean, that's the thing, though, it's – we're not told – we're not necessarily shown in the universe that that's a problem. Like, right. the Jedi – that was Jedi dogma. Right. At the time of their fall. Right. So the worst. whether, you know, the extent to which that is or isn't true is, you know, we can have our own uh, opinions yeah. about that. And um, it seems to work for some other characters and, you know, what you'd alluded to. Um, it and... seems to be the only thing that creates Seths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it creates everybody, but yes, yeah, also true. <laughs> Not well, everybody. You know what I mean? It's like there was one Sith, almost Obi Wan Kenobi. You know, yeah. it just seems like you're setting them up to fail, kind of like a Catholic Church. Right, um, right. Yeah, no. It's um, <clears throat> uh, someone in the chat pointed out that they're Catholic priests, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, the the, oh. warri- the warrior monk with all the flaws of that idea is definitely a part of that. And I will say the <clears throat> the light of the Jedi books that are just trying to come the the High Republic books that are trying to come out now. They're talking about how at that point in time. There were problems of like Jedi having romantic feelings towards each other, and this is mm-hmm. just—it's celibacy's dumb, dude. So like abstinence only is dumb, whether it's America, you know, politics or or Jedi or whatever it is. Don't do it. Yeah, just I mean, do, well, it. do it. Do <laughs> it. If it's a personal choice, like that's totally valid, also very true. But, also very true. Yeah. But if it's a dogma <laughs> that's being pushed upon you, <laughs> yeah. then it can you know fuck right off. So um, we yeah. are getting some. Great- that's it. I used our one. Yep. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> Can't fucking say it again. Um, hey. uh, <laughs> uh, so Whoa. we are getting some great comments in the chat. I want to move us towards chat, not too much longer. But let's talk for a minute about um, some of the uh, older characters who returned. Um, what, Ashley, starting with you, what did you think of Han Solo and how how he gets treated in this? I mean, I was super excited, of course, to see Han Solo. I love Harrison Ford, and he still just brought out like he was the same character. I just loved it. Um, I. I killing him off might the way it was done was of course super sad but i felt like that was one thing that we absolutely needed to move the story along Mm -hmm. yeah it was it was sucked and i would have wanted to see him in more movies but you know yeah i get it for me i think my favorite line in the whole movie um it's probably in my like top top 10 star wars if not top five star wars moments is um when he is telling Finn and Rey, you know, it's all true. All of it. The Force, the Empire, Luke Skywalker. It's not just mythology. Someone put up a video where it showed, like, the 20 seconds of Han, um, <clears throat> you know, saying at the very beginning of A New Hope, oh, it's all just hoopla. You know, this is, you know, it's all just mumbo jumbo. I don't believe in any of this. I don't, I don't think there's any mystical force that controls my destiny. And seeing that moment, you know, juxtaposed with hear him saying, like, yes, I do believe. I, I just thought that that 
that moment makes me tear up because it was just such a great like how far his journey has come. This is the part where I say that I hate it. Yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. No, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> that's how I try to get mine out of the way first. You know, <laughs> like ex- express your opinion and then make room for the oncoming rant. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. So. So yeah, I saw you sent me that TikTok, and I was like, yeah, this makes me like it less. Um, I mean, the thing is, it's like so. In the beginning, he's like, I've never seen any, you know, all powerful force controlling my destiny. Okay, did it? Like, is there a force that controlled his destiny? Like, Luke and Vader and, you know, Leia and, you know, Ben. Like, they have magic. Like, you know, different people can interpret that different ways. But, like, the idea that it's necessarily some sort of sentient, metaphysical, whatever. Like, that's some people's understanding of it. But we're not really given, you know, proof that that's what it is. Right. Right? And I don't necessarily see... Han Solo accepting that, particularly when, you know, then his son goes this other direction. Like, I don't know. Um, I guess I, the, I, did, yeah. I didn't see it as him saying, like, that I now think there's this sentient thing that controls my destiny. Yeah, I think yeah. it's about more him saying, he struck me as the person who was like, look, if I don't see it, if I can't feel mm-hmm. it, if I can't touch it, then it's not real. Right. And I And to me, it was more about him kind of understanding, like, Yes, there are things, there are bigger things than I understand. And that I got to be part of this thing that, that ma- believing, it's the kind of believing in magic or having faith in right. something. Um, because yeah, I think yeah, to I me, that... to me, if it, if it is become like, if he becomes a cult member or a devotee, then yeah, I think that yeah. would be awful for him. I think it's more just that mm-hmm. he has this, this sense of wonder that he didn't have right. at the start. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess the idea of faith doesn't particularly resonate with me, but which you know, <laughs> which isn't surprising. But um, you know, like I'm actually trying to think of how many times Han Solo actually sees. I guess he sees Luke do the thing, mm-hmm. like the one time mostly right? the sand planet. No, like 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 on Endor, right? He like makes three PO float or whatever, right? So they don't get eaten by Ewoks. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, on, on Tatooine, he, like, does some Jedi stuff, but it's not all that overtly Jedi-ish, you know? But we don't, um, we don't know what his thought process is of when he decides to, like, you know, have the yeah. outlaw Josie Wales moment and come back. Like, whether he's like, okay, it's just random coincidence I was in the right place, or if he does have a, like, yeah, maybe, like, just this was fate that I was, like, supposed to... And, and again, I, th- I think we're now going kind of way in the head. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's very outlaw Josie Wales to me, like, always comes back for a friend. But, um... <laughs> Which we both only but, know about because of Rounders. Great movie. But, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> ben Affleck? Um, what? Matt, Matt, <laughs> Matt Damon. Damon. Matt Damon. Not Ben Affleck, no. <laughs> Not the same person. <laughs> Matt, that, Matt... <laughs> Matt Damon, Prove it. Matt Damon and Ed Norton. So Ed Norton so it connects to the MCU. So we have to do a, a, a super- and so does Matt Damon. We have to do superhero ethics. Yep. Superhero ethics. Matt Rounders. Poker is a superpower. Ooh. Okay. So <laughs> back um, to Star Wars. Back to Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. The whole Han thing. Like I don't know. I, honestly, I would have just preferred this whole like the original characters coming back is this kind of fan service that I get. And it's like, it's like, oh, yay. But like, (laughs) in Star Wars, old people only exist to like mentor and die or to be old looking and evil. 
Like, those are the only old people that exist in the Star Wars universe, practically. Fabulous. I find it, like, rather upsetting. And, like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't watch the whole, rewatch this whole thing. So I'm, I'm not gonna talk too much about, like, how Han was treated or whatever, mm-hmm. but just, like, I don't need to see, like, a sequel thing where, you know, the characters that I liked, you know, get killed off one by one. Like, it's just, it holds no appeal to me. It ruins the sequel trilogy for me. And, like, Mm. I don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing to do. But, like, when I think about all the things that have been created that come after, there's some series, and then years later, they, like, re... They pick it up again. Uh Uh-huh. Like, I can't think of any that I think are, like, really good or that I really like. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. Like, The Legend of Korra is is the one that's the best exception to that. But they didn't actually make that that many years later. You know, they... And it takes place so much later. And they don't, like... They don't undo all the stuff that happened, right? They have, like, new challenges. And so I think what happens often is you end up undoing things and then... I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't like it. I, I don't like Not it. One bit. I, I, th- I think I'm. In, I think I'm in the middle here. And I would say, first of all, I'd say I think that you know, of sort of the big three from Star Wars, the fact that all three of them die, I don't think is necessary in the slightest. I think part of it is like outside of the writing realities of like yeah. Harrison Ford not wanting to be in the second two movies, and then Carrie Fisher literally dying. Like yeah. I don't think that's I don't think Princess Leia can't has, hold them responsible for that. Yeah, General Organa I don't think had to die in the story. To, yeah, by any means. And I don't think that was necessarily the plan either. I yeah I agree with that. Yeah. I think though I would say that of the three deaths, Hans probably bothers me the most because I feel like it's one more thread that was to- totally undealt with. I remember Paul. Yeah. Uh, Han Solo's death is one that you and I talked about at great length after we watched that movie because. Mm-hmm. It's this very powerful scene that's also fairly confusing because we do excuse me. Yeah. We do get to see that Kylo is very conflicted. He says, I want help ending this pain. And then it, like there's an extent to which Han is like helping him with something, and then the lightsaber ignites, and then he says thank you. And like, is it this very kind of like, you know, fuck you, thank you, you gave me the strength to hate you? That's four. Is it like I don't care? Um, <laughs> like I remember, I walked out wondering, like, if on some level there was supposed to be a level of like Han had pressed the button on the lightsaber because right, right. there was a sense of like mm-hmm. if Kylo actually killed his father, that that would be like the last thing to push him to the dark side. So Han right, was like, right. "I'm gonna make you not have to do this." Yeah, yeah. I think Abrams. It's the thing about Abrams I hate most. This mystery yeah. box. Like I think Abrams was like hmm, why did Kylo and Han have this moment? <laughs> I don't know. Have fun. And then Ryan Johnson was like, fuck off. I'm going to make a different movie entirely. Right. Um, which, whatever you think about sure, it one yeah, way or the other. Sure, yeah, that's its own thing. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's, to me, it's one of the most unsatisfying moments because I mm. just have no idea why. I don't know what happened that moment between Kylo and Han. And I feel like not knowing does make his death very unsatisfying. In a way that like, right. it, I don't, you know, I mean, Ray saves the cat. Kylo kills the cat. Like killing off Han Solo yeah, yeah, yeah. is a good way to right, show right. us this is a bad person. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it's it's to me it's a very frustrating moment. Yeah, and I think you you nailed it by like we don't know what happened. Yeah. 
how are we supposed to know what to like how are we supposed to feel about what happened if we don't even know what happened like it's true i mean i would just assume someone tell us the story of what happened instead of like like show don't tell but like don't show (laughs) it's like what happened right like and um that was also the one thing that um was like spoiled for me in Mm. the movie because we saw it opening night yeah you'd already seen it right i saw it with you the second time you saw it on opening night and somebody had like posted already, like Han Solo dies. Like, <laughs> oh, it was so bad. I'm like, it was so like, bad. Their name is Ben, by the way. So, <laughs> oh. um, that's but, funny. Yeah, I mean, to sort of pile on the J.J. Abrams, like, like he makes things that are have a lot of really interesting questions and are very well done, and then are never going to be have satisfying conclusions. Like the scene at the end, I thought was so powerful when Ray, like Luke's appearance in the movie was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. Just in this purely fan service. I mean, first of all, I think it's hilarious that Mark's Mark Hamill gets top billing. Oh, did he? Has zero, <laughs> he has top billing and zero lines. That's fantastic. I don't think that's ever happened before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like, you know, the fact that, just like that scene is so so powerful, and I thought I thought um, Daisy Ridley did a, a great job there as well. Um, and but like, it's just like okay, all right, your turn, Ryan. Let's see what you want to do with this. Yeah. <laughs> like, and thinking about it, I'm like, if I were to write a film from there going forward, like, what would it be like? And as as much as I don't like the story of the Last Jedi, like. I can't think of a story that would lead up to that point. Like, like what was Luke doing? (laughs) Yeah. You know, like I don't have a good substitute story. Oh, this is what should have actually been going on. Yeah. It's like the whole, so the whole setup for the movie, the force awakens is like, basically it's just a giant MacGuffin. Right. Right. It's just like, okay, there's this, this star killer base. And like, there's this thing that they need to get so they can find something else. But it's like there's no real like anybody doing a thing. It's like it, it, everything is still a mystery, yeah. and that's like the J.J. Abrams J.J. Abrams way, and it's very frustrating. Yeah. It's very um, frustrating. Frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think I mean that was the next one. I'm still salty over Lost. Yeah, that's that's legit. Me too. That's legit. Um, so I think those are kind of the main things I wanted to talk about for the movie. Like you know the the fight scenes are fun. They're very kind of the same all we've seen before um were there any other kind of last comments people wanted to make about the movie itself before we jump into feedback um let me check my notes go for it sequelitis you've become so old oh yeah that that <laughs> kylo ren line that's very star wars uh-huh. um oh huck says something else. these are the first signs of nonconformity. i thought that was a, a very creepy line but like in a good way yeah. oh yeah they talk um, about how the the um yeah, Finn has to be assigned for reprogramming. I mean, it's very much right. like, you know, like, brainwashy, you know. Uh, the, like, yeah, it's totally a cult. Yeah, which is creepy. And, and like, which again, so good to explore. Never explore. Right. Yeah, yeah, The whole, I mean, like, I could watch a whole series that's just, like, Stormtroopers. Right? Like, yeah. You know? And, and it's like, was, is he the only Stormtrooper that's, like, re- rebelled and been like, nah. Or, like, is is it because he's, like, more sensitive? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. I don't know. A lot of interesting questions, JJ. Yeah. 
Guess we won't get any answers. At least um, we get a little bit yeah. of that, like, others have rebelled in Rise of right. Skywalker, but again, kind of, mm-hmm. like... Yeah, yeah. That'd be a great show. And that one, um, oh, oh, yeah. I don't know her name, Brianna Tarth. Oh, Captain uh, Phasma. Yeah, oh. like, you don't even... Sure, she gets a little bit more, but who was that? You don't even know. Like, I knew to look out for her because I was excited about it, but... And then I was, you could almost forget that she was in the movie. Yeah, yeah, it was very much, it felt as merchandise as, like, yeah. <laughs> character-based, right? Get the chrome one. It really, exactly. was. it really was. Exactly. Oh, and then my one other just biggest complaint, which which is I've, it's already basically what I've said, but, like, everybody, like, forgets about the Jedi and everything again. Again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it's like, it's like there's some, like, old Jedi mind <laughs> trick on the galaxy, it's, Which, yeah. if that was the case, okay. Tell like, us. say it. Just tell us. Just be like, yeah. oh yeah, the Emperor made everybody forget about the Jedi. For people who <laughs> okay. played, for people who played Mage of the Ascension, the Jedi have Arcane yes. Five. That's clearly what's happening there. Yeah, Arcane Seven. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those who don't know, just smile and blink. They've rewritten reality in a way that it's not. And mind six. Yeah, but it's it's okay. it is is I think one of the things is the original Star Wars idea the trilogy is based on this idea of like the jedi as this ancient forgotten thing and just they since those original movies they never figure out how to actually make that work in terms of like ancient forgotten from like once you realize rebels like the last couple episodes of rebels takes place like a year and a half before the bottle of yawin like and there's doesn't make sense it's all so nuts um the the answer lies with Voltron or Shira or the last airbender like they could have just had Anakin Skywalker or not Anakin they could have had Padme in carbonite for like 100 years oh yeah or something yeah, that's how you do right? it right and and Vader could be like 150 and Obi-Wan can be like 160 or whatever and it's like then most people have died and whatever but there's these few people who live super long or wait a minute wait a minute, wait, wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute Vader's been around for 150 years. Everyone's forgotten about the Jedi, but all of a sudden Vader has children who are alive again. If only somewhere in the universe there'd been some technology about taking genetic material and creating right. people. What's a word for that? Cl- clones? Cl- There's no cloning in this universe. No There's no cloning. <laughs> all right. There's no planet where they clone. I do. I'm sticking with my my carbonite story. I like I like carbonite as well. Carbonite, I like it. but cloning cloning's an option. All right. It is strange they didn't use that. If only more. they'd mentioned something like the Clone Wars. Yeah. All right. With that, Ashley, what is the Chapman having to say? What questions we got? What comments we got? Um, I have a couple. Uh, Smith Rocks 2 says, Han dying the way he did was the worst part of the movie for me. It would have, if he would have died saving someone, it would have been much better. Yeah. And I think, I think that's where my thing comes in because I think there's a possibility that he dies saving Ben Solo. From because, like, that he, like, that there's some level of the last bit of Ben Solo will die if Ben kills Han. And so Mm. Han kind of is part of, like, He's like, I'm not going to let you kill me. I'm going to kill myself. Right. Um, yeah. Which is a very metaphysical, like, you know, six of one, but not half dozen of the other. Right, <laughs> but like, right, right. But yeah, I think you're right. I think if we don't get that explained, if it's just Kylo just killed, like, if Han just walks in like a chump and gets killed, yeah. then yeah, that's that's kind of a dumb moment. Uh, okay. Um, I'm going to butcher this. Pavi Anch. 
has a comment and then a question. Uh, the comment is, as a casual fan, it felt great to see the Star Wars universe on screen again. And as Paul alluded to, as a minority, I was glad to see more representation and diversity in the cast. And the question is, after initially watching the movie or even after the rewatch, how did it impact your expectations or excitement for the future movies? So um, I'll jump in. And let's actually talk about that first comment first. I, you know, I think by now it's it's kind of um, a thing that gets talked about a lot about how important diversity is in these things. And five years ago, that was still being talked about, but it was. It, the conversation was, I think, very, has changed a lot in those five years. And I do think this was a very important yeah. movie in that regard. And, <clears throat> you know, every time now, like when there's Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel, we see people like all these pictures of little girls dressing up as those characters. And it's great. I, I'm not, as, I've, as I mentioned, like just not to get into the personal side of it, I was in a very dark place when this first movie came out. Watching how many young girls, especially and, and women of all ages, but especially like we're so like in love with the idea of a woman Jedi and seeing a black character be such a powerful force on screen. Like Lando Christian was great, but he wasn't like, he was definitely, he had side character energy in a powerful way and way that Finn didn't. Um, in this movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, no, Finn becomes like side character very much later, right. but yeah, I mean, I just think it, I think it's, to me, it was a very important thing and a very needed thing because I mean, Star Wars is not to excuse things from the seventies, but it's, I don't think Star Wars was more racist or sexist than something from the 70s. In some ways, Leia is much more active than your average dam like she's mm -hmm. not a damsel yeah. in distress. She she takes no. action. She does great things. Yeah. But it's still a very much like boys leading the charge movie. And to have Ray being what she does, to have so many like women star pilots and things like that, it just it was you know, it's never enough, but it was I thought a really important move forward. And to me, like it would have been really hard to watch Star Wars set in like this time if that wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I think they've it was necessary mm -hmm. and and good. And I wish that as the trilogy went on, they did a better job of keeping all of the characters feeling equally important or yeah. of similar level of importance, but um I think I think the Force Awakens particularly does does a good job of having, you know, multiple main characters um, that are represented that are representative of you know groups that have been underrepresented underrepresented for you know the first century of film yeah. <laughs> or so and um, and the Mandalorian I mean that like that was one of the things that annoyed me in the Mandalorian to begin with and then it's like oh. Okay, no, never mind. Like, <laughs> carry on, you know. Um, and so I think overall, there's very clearly a, a commitment to, um, you know, just have their fiction be representative of the, you know, the world's whole population, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and what was the question again? There was a question, right? Oh, in terms of movies going forward. Yeah did did it change your expectations, higher or lower? This movie raised them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but also once they killed Han, I knew they were going to kill Luke in movie eight or nine. Mm. Like I was, there was just no doubt in my <laughs> just mind. Knew. And I was just like, I'm not even going to see it. I'm just going to read the spoilers. And then like, I didn't even see it in the theater, but like, yeah. that's, that was like a peeve of mine. But, um, but it, it showed like, okay, Disney owned Lucasfilm can make a good Star Wars movie. That's just like objectively good in terms of 
movie making and um and then they made rogue one which raised them even higher yeah so. yeah rogue one. yeah I, i'd say that's very true i think for me um if force awakens had not landed the way it did i probably would have just stopped this this podcast never exists right. um, i would have just stop being a, a star wars fan because it was kind of my like you burned me so badly with those prequels and again i i have come to appreciate the prequels a lot more the clone wars tv show really helped I'm not raining on those people who saw the prequels and loved them, but but understand like and so with very much that, but understand that for those people who grew up with the original movies, the prequels were very disappointing in a lot of ways, and I think this movie gave me hope again. And I did love Rogue One. I I do love Last Jedi quite a lot, and then all those movies gave me so much hope that Rise of Skywalker completely <laughs> destroyed. But that's another story entirely. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like the they made me a Star Wars fan again, in a way. Like they not not like that I ever stopped loving the originals, but that I'd kind of been like, okay, that's that's something from my past that's kind of gone, and it it brought it back. And I think they didn't make it easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's certainly true. That's certainly true. Um, we we have we have a comment I just saw from the um uh, chat that I just need to read because I have no idea what it connects to or anything, but it just it, it needs to be spoken and given life into the universe. Matthew the pallbearer chased the fox that hopped into the coffin with Ashley. What? And that comes from All Sauce. It's just all of our names in a... a, a yeah, no, uh, I... Yeah, uh, I don't oh, see it. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, All Sauce. You've yeah. heard it. Anyway, what's our next comment? Yeah. What's the next comment you want to read? Um, the last one is CJ Hunt asks, what is the best musical score and why is it when the X-Wings show up on Takodana? I, I want to hear from you too because I'm not a I know the music hits me but I very rarely notice the score I know this is something you two talk about a lot um I actually really liked uh Attack of the Clones like that score I think the uh the confrontation with Count Dooku and the finale on that album is my favorite and so is Across Across the Stars mm-hmm. like the lover's theme Definitely. I mean, probably has the best usage of all of our favorite songs in one. I don't know. Like, I mean, the Imperial March is just the <laughs> yeah. The that's in there for me. It's in there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know the there's there's just <laughs> there's there's a lot of great great music. I, I actually had the. Um, like the box set of like the original trilogy soundtracks and back in the day. Yeah. I don't have them anymore, but um, it's, yeah, the music's so good. I mean, you yeah. know, none of it's uh dark trooper dubstep. But, <laughs> no. You know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's what I, I remember saying about the original uh, or not the original, the, the first three, it's mm-hmm. like you, you can continue to get gaslighted by John Williams into thinking yeah. you're having a good time because yeah. all of a sudden he's up with the score. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to set this place on fire with Duel of the Fates and they're going to forget all about that Jar Jar Binks shit. Yeah, right, right. You just watch. Yeah. That's yeah. all people are going to remember from this film and they're going to think it's awesome. And sometimes I'm like, yeah, the movie's awesome. Wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> like, I do wonder if you didn't have a John Williams score, if you had like, a, not even mediocre, if you had like an actively bad score to like the first to like a new hope 
Like, does Empire Strikes Back get made? I don't know. know. (laughs) If you listen to any kind of documentaries or anything about it, uh, nobody wanted to even do the movie until they put that score on it. And then people were like, oh, Oh. okay, we'll let it go in the summer. We'll see how it does. Maybe can we release this on a Wednesday, John? (laughs) I I said this during the, the live watch, and I think it's true. For me, I think the music, the scoring is probably the thing that gives the most like a through line between all the different movies because I I think that's even in the prequels that I don't like, even in some of the parts of the sequels that I don't like or other things. There are moments where they'll like have like, you know, the Ray, you know, Ray's theme become the Skywalker theme or like, you know, Kylo's music, like merge into the music for Vader or something like that. That is just so powerful. Um, yeah. you know, and like the, like, I mean, I, I, there's a moment in, um, Rise of Skywalker where I feel like the transition to Vader is very poorly done, except like there's that one moment where like, you know, the last pieces of the Darth Vader suit have gone on and the music is doing what it do, it does. And then it like goes into the, uh, I can't even hum it, yeah. but yeah, 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 Revenge of the Sith, but yeah. yeah, in Revenge of yeah. the Sith, it goes into that like the Vader theme music, and yeah. it, it gives me chills, you know. And then yeah, you're like, oh, this music's so good. No, yeah. and you're like, ah, stop music. Yeah, I felt her. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, well, folks, this has been a lot of fun. I'm glad we got to watch the movie. I'm glad we got to talk it all about it with you all. Um. Ashley, Paul, any of the kind of last comments or questions or, or thoughts about The Force Awakens you wanted to bring up? I am really excited to do the next one with you guys because it sounds like uh, nobody liked it. <laughs> I, mean, I, I loved Last but, Jedi. You loved it and you didn't, right, Paul? That is correct. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. That is correct. Oh, I, I can't I, wait. Yeah. To your I'm left. still fifty-fifty on whether or not I will be involved in the making of this podcast. Yeah, we, no, we, we have yeah, to. Yeah, we, we have a couple of people who are very excited to be on uh, for the Last Jedi. So I'm not sure who who's going to be on with okay. us for that one. We'll see. But um, but definitely, there's a lot of stuff. And and Paul and I have um have talked about Last uh, Jedi and other uh, episodes that I can also post up links to. Uh, definitely and I think do that. If nothing else, uh, Paul and I are talking about doing something on superhero ethics about how writers should treat like beloved characters like and we might do something just on luke yeah. or we might do something on luke and batman or something else like that because i know a lot of our, our differences are about how luke is treated in that movie so there'll definitely some fun stuff to talk there well yeah. thank you all so much everyone in the, the chat thank you so much i didn't know if we'd get anybody we've had between uh 10 and 16 people going this has been awesome and to all you listeners and fans uh who are hearing excuse me to all our listeners and fans what do you all think? Where does Force Awakens rank for you? What did you like about it? Why do you think – what happens with Kylo and Han? What's your take on all this? We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on social media uh, by search for The Ethical Panda is where I do all my podcasting about both this and superhero ethics. You can also go to strandedpanda.com. There you'll find all the podcasts I do, all the podcasts that Ashley does. Paul has been a frequent guest in all these things as well as other great podcasts about Star Trek, MCU, DC DC Universe, lots of great stuff like that. So please check all that out. And most importantly, next Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern, we're going to have our first ever Star Wars Universe podcast trivia. Um, It's going to be a fun trivia game. There'll be questions. We'll be chatting about things. Type in the answers in the chat. Um, uh, Type in the answers in the chat. Uh, Have a lot of fun with us. There'll be some great prizes. If you're part of the MCU Trivia League, you can jump in. Uh, the points for this will be a part of that. Or if you've never been a part of that, just come on, play trivia with us. It'll be a lot of fun. So thank you all so much for being a part of this, and uh, have a great day. Bye.